You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hi, and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This is the 16th movie on the list. We're on Sleeping Beauty from 1959, moving right along. As always, you can check us out on social media at Disney1x1. We're everywhere. And of course, if you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this show, it would be much appreciated. Today, as always on the show, my brother David Rolfing, the merry weather to my fauna. How was that? <laughs> fauna? Was that one of the fairy godmothers? Yeah, I, I called myself fauna. You can gotcha. be the silly merry weather. Yeah. Well, hello, Mike. Thank you for having <laughs> me back. Uh, you're welcome. Anything exciting going on? Um, no, just skiing a lot. Yeah. So, Colorado. living the Colorado dream. Yep. All right. Sounds good. And joining us today for the first time, a first time guest, my good friend Wesley Morell. Wes, welcome to Disney One by One. Hey, thanks, Mike. I uh, been trying to get you on here for a little while, but we had to find the perfect movie for you, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't love all the Disney movies, so uh, I'm kind of particular is which ones I like to go over. I certainly wanted you on this show because you're a person I know is probably like the biggest fan of animation, and you're kind of an animator yourself, yeah? Yeah, first of all, I, I, I'm crazy about animation. It's borderline obsession. Sometimes I have to make sure it's not competing with my wife. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love uh, animation and the history of animation. And uh, yeah, I do it at work when the project allows. So I'll get to do some character animation stuff if, if we get that kind of a project down the down the pike. So big, uh, big fan, big practicer. Yeah, and and I've I've had the privilege of being a voice in a few of your productions. I don't know if any of those ever actually got finished, but <laughs> yes, sadly, uh, yes, that's true. I thought you did a great job when you gave me your voice, but uh, I was a little young and a little ambitious writing feature uh, feature films uh, that I was going to animate by myself. Uh, so no, those did not get made, but. Um, <laughs> maybe something shorter uh a little bit more manageable i think would be uh would be a little bit more successful sure i don't even remember i think i was like an eagle at some point uh yeah yeah in high school i was doing uh a, a little movie about uh greek gods versus the egyptian gods and i think i cast you as uh horus who has an eagle head yeah yeah that was the first time. I'm sure, and I'm sure whatever voice I did was just awful, but I thought it was amazing at the time, yeah. Well, actually, the one I think uh, I liked that you did the most was uh, the the feature I tried to do next, which was the, the robots movie, Fiend Fighters. I don't know if you remember that, but I had you play the villain, and he okay. was just like constantly pissed off and constantly <laughs> shouting, and, and that was kind of something you brought to it, and I thought it was really funny. I mean, I remember the words Fiend Fighters ring a bell, but I do not remember playing a villain, so or even close to what my voice was in that. <laughs> well, uh, if you ever get really curious, I do still have all the recordings, so I can... I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> get that to if, you. You, if, if you seriously have them, I'll stick it on the end of the show and play a little <laughs> do, sample. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have plenty of ill-fated projects of my own that were way too ambitious and that sort of thing, so... I've definitely seen some clips, at least, of your projects on Facebook and youtube and you know other social media has your animation style changed over the years would you describe it differently now compared to like the prince of bane's days i think that's the 
the the title I remember from one of your projects. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's uh, that I'm I'm actually still working on that project, but uh, I wouldn't say my style has changed necessarily. It's maybe more refined, but I I would say that I I, I the sensibilities that I had back then are still the sensibilities that I have today. So that's still how I try to make animation. Uh, so short answer, no. Who are like your biggest influences in your work? Oh, in terms of animation? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say I love Chuck Jones, uh, one of the famous um, Bugs Bunny animators. Uh, I would say probably the most famous uh, because he was so good at subtlety. I also love Tony Fucilli, who did all the character designs for um, the Iron Giant in The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. I love his stuff. He's a, he's a huge influence, too. Uh, then probably lastly, Claire Keane, I think, is uh, someone I really love. Her sets of whimsy and style. Uh, she worked on Tangled, maybe Frozen. I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, she's great, too. Nice. And that's a great segue into Disney. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure as an animation fan, you're also a pretty big Disney fan. Give me sort of the, the rundown of your Disney history. Yeah, so uh, that's interesting. I have a sort of strange, I have mixed feelings about Disney. I love and I hate them. Mostly love. <laughs> uh, just growing up, I always, um, I mean, I, I grew up in Disney movies and I, I think they're incredible. I, I think those guys invented the medium as we know it. And so a lot of what I study are those guys, are the Disney studio stuff. Uh, it's, in, it's incredible on multiple levels. Um, I say I hate it because they're sort of king in town. And I guess as even as a kid, I was like, I hate that there's like one company who's sort of doing it all, uh, which wasn't true, but I thought it was. Well, and now it is even more so. Yeah, yeah. Well, they just yeah, own everything. <laughs> I know. If there's, if there's someone who's kind of doing really well uh, in competition, I, I think they buy them out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I think too, I think in my style, you can see a lot of Disney influence for sure, whether I want it or not. And so when people say like, oh man, Wes, you have the Disney style, I'm both offended and honored. It's, it's a weird, complicated <laughs> thing. <laughs> nice. What were some of your... Like go-to movies as a kid. What'd you have around the house that you watched all the time? Uh, as a kid, I enjoyed uh, Robin Hood, The Fox. Uh, I hated a lot of movies as a kid that now I think are masterpieces. Uh, we probably <laughs> watched a lot of Little Mermaid. Uh, I secretly had a crush on <laughs> The Little Mermaid. Yeah, I would say probably Robin Hood was probably the, the one we watched the most. Fox and the Hound. Uh, I liked foxes. Orange was my favorite color. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. Both the Fox movies right there. Yeah. Yeah. How, about, how about going to the parks? Did you do much of that growing up? Uh, a couple of times we went to Magic Kingdom, um, maybe once to Epcot. It's been it's been several years since. I don't think I've been there as many times as you have, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Nobody has. It's okay. Lots of people have, but not all of them know as much as I do. That's probably, that's probably more like it. I really haven't yeah. been that many times. I just talk about it a lot. So Wes, how about this this list of over 50 movies? Uh, can you tell me your top five? Yeah, I'd say probably number five is actually Sleeping Beauty. Ah. I think it's really stylized and really cool. Number four would be probably Hercules from 97. And the number three would be probably The Jungle Book, uh, the original. Okay. I think it's incredible. Uh, number two is probably Pinocchio. And the number one is uh, definitely Bambi. I think it's probably the greatest animated movie ever made. Nice. Well, for many reasons. <laughs> so <good>. Wow. <laughs> you are possibly the first person to not include Lion King in your top five. I know. Lion King is interesting. Um, I think it's amazing, but there's something about it that it, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's too Disney. I don't know. Yeah. But it's not, it's not in there. <laughs> too popular? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 
And you're the first to include Bambi in the top five, much less number one. So. <laughs> yeah, though I will say, you know, going as we're going through these, my list is certainly changing, and Bambi is definitely up there. I really, really liked that movie way more than I expected to. So, yeah, it was one of those movies that I um, grew up not thinking was great. It's just kind of this boring movie about a deer. Yeah, and it was really falsely advertised. If you ever go back and watch the trailer. It was one that I like. Just watched when I got older. I thought, well, heck, I'll just give this one more chance, and it was a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of just peaceful, and it really is. And for the most part, I mean, it's just kind of washes over you. Yeah, a lot of a lot of beautiful things happening yeah. with the music and the yeah. imagery. It's kind of like sitting and just like watching two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. You know, you just, kind of <laughs> just let this just just let it go over you. It doesn't really matter what it's about. It's just kind of beautiful and awesome, and the music's cool. Yeah, you know. that's a great comparison. Yeah, it so, kind of is. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's dive into Sleeping Beauty. And now our feature presentation: Sleeping Beauty, sparkling with colorful spectacles. Brimming with gay music and delightful new songs. Filled with fascinating new Disney characters. So after the success of Cinderella in 1950, work quickly began on Sleeping Beauty, which was based on the fairy tale by Charles Perrault, which is also where Cinderella kind of came from. So they just went, went back to the source to try to create another hit. By 1953, the dialogue was recorded and production was in full swing. But Walt decided to kind of eliminate some of the story ideas, and so a rewrite kind of had to happen. There was also quite a few shuffles of directors, and these Disney movies have, like, supervising directors and sequence directors, lots of directors, and there was definitely a shuffle amongst them, which kind of slowed down the production of this movie. At one point, this guy named Eric Larson took over, and he was instructed by Walt to make this movie, quote, a moving illustration, the ultimate in animation. Basically, Walt was like, make this movie different than the rest and make it look awesome. And so he kind of took that on. Um, at some point, he left and Clyde Geronimi took over. Clyde worked on a whole bunch of these movies, including Cinderella and Alice and Peter Pan and Lay in the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians. The music was heavily inspired from Tchaikovsky's Sleeping Beauty Ballet. George Bruns, George Bruns, George something like that was the composer, <laughs> but he very much adapted Tchaikovsky's music for most of this movie. Much like Lady and the Tramp, which we talked about last week, Sleeping Beauty was in like super widescreen. The early Disney movies were very much like 4x3 square format. With this, they used the super Technorama 70 millimeter widescreen process, which has a lot of like anamorphic lenses and things that I don't really need to get into. But you get this super wide image that was uh, relatively new at the time and especially new for animation. We'll get into the style and art design of this movie, but it was very much a combination of like medieval styles and art deco and very, very unique for Disney. It's funny too, you mentioned the, the, the mega widescreen of the movie, uh, which is something I noticed. Uh, I think it came out the same year as Ben-Hur, which is also mm. uh, ultra wide and it just sort of helps with that grander scale and epic feel, I think. Yeah, and it, it's, it makes the animators think completely differently about what they're doing, too, because the picture is, I mean, the different dimension. It's like three times as much space, almost. Yeah. <laughs> in a yeah. way. Yeah, right, yeah. Sleeping Beauty was ultimately released on January 29th, 1959, so that was nine years after Cinderella. And it was released alongside a short film called Grand Canyon, which actually won an Oscar for Best hmm. Short Subject Live Action. I think I have this on my somewhere in my archives. I need to find it. The Grand Canyon short. I think it's like just footage of the Grand Canyon with music playing in the background. <laughs> 
Something like that. <laughs> it's 29 minutes long, apparently. Really? Okay. I'll need to, I need to find that again. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, like, Disney had some sort of affinity for the Grand Canyon because at Disneyland, if you ride the train around the entire park, once when you're between Tomorrowland and Fantasy, so when, sorry, when you're between Tomorrowland and Main Street stops, you go through this, like, indoor diorama hmm. of, like, the Grand Canyon and there's, like, dinosaurs fighting each other and stuff. It's really, it's really odd, but part of it is the Grand Canyon diorama. <laughs> And that was that was only a few years after this Grand Canyon short came out. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Walt Disney loves the Grand Canyon, apparently. <laughs> Man, that was an obscure Disney World fact, Mike. Good job. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, okay, so I was just there not too long ago, and I was like, I should ride the train around the park because I've heard about this thing, but I've never seen it, and it is it is odd. Yeah. Like, and the tr- and the trains, at least the one I was in, the the seats only face like towards the inside of the park, so you're you're going clockwise. You know, and the and the seats only face like you're like in a tier facing like towards the inside of the park. Anyway, oh, whatever. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sleeping Beauty made about f- just over five million dollars in the box office when it came out, but it had a budget of like six million, which was almost double any of these other past movies. So way bigger budget than the rest of them, and uh, the company ended up posting a loss and had to actually lay off a bunch of people so this because of that or i don't know indirectly because of that this was sort of the last fairy tale movie that disney made until like little mermaid so they sort of abandoned the charles peralt fairy tale genre (laughs) whatever was going on interesting and of course uh sleeping beauty still lives on in the theme parks uh sleeping beauty castle is the castle in disneyland um it was originally snow white's castle but it is now called sleeping beauty castle and then uh, one of the ultimate Disney castles is the one in Disneyland Paris, which in French is called Le Château de la Belle Bois Dormant, which <laughs> translates into the castle of the beauty in the sleeping wood, which is referring to Sleeping Beauty. And that castle actually has a giant animatronic dragon underneath it. So you can walk down and see a dragon, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's super cool. So anyway, that's the my history of Sleeping Beauty. David, what do you got? You stole a lot of mine this time, but I have a couple left. One is Maleficent, the witch in the movie. Um, she had a spinoff based called Maleficent, played by Charlize Theron a few years ago. I didn't actually even no. see it. Angelina Jolie, right? Oh, what am I thinking of? Was she in another like Disney remake? Yeah, that was the Snow White, not Disney uh, movie. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever? Yeah, yeah that's I right. Either. Yeah. I think I was getting them confused in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and she also appeared in like the kingdom hearts video games and the maleficent witch has kind of been a one of the mainstays as far as disney villains go she's like in the group of villains that you see a lot in the parks and in these other forms of media that's all i have you still you still a lot of the good ones <laughs> okay <laughs> like i do want to add just some uh animation tidbits just watch, just watching through the credits, it was funny. Well, it wasn't funny, but I was—I guess I was surprised to see that. Um, have you heard of Disney's Nine Old Men? Is sort of his, yeah. I saw eight of those Nine Old Men in the credits, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, and then another name I saw in the credits I thought was interesting was uh, Ub Iwerks. Do you know him? He's the guy who designed Mickey Mouse after Walt Disney created him. Hmm. Ub Iwerks actually designed him. Uh, so it's sort of a Ub was like a, a very early partner of Walt Disney's. I know that they parted ways eventually. I thought it was much sooner than 1959, but apparently it wasn't. 
because Ub Iwerks also worked on Sleeping Beauty, which I did not know. Huh. That yeah. is a fun fact. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Cool. Well, Wes, you had Sleeping Beauty in your top five, so mm-hmm. you obviously have some sort of history with this. I know you just watched it again today, but before today, what were sort of your your ideas and preconceived notions about Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, so uh, despite that this is probably one of my favorite classic Disney films, I haven't seen it like a hundred times, uh, but I have seen it a few. And I guess some of the things that stood out to me are just the style. Yeah. I mean, you could probably say the Disney style really began at like Pinocchio, but I feel like how far they push the style in this movie, particularly in the character animation, the character design, you know, with Aurora, you see it in the swirls in her hair and things like that. Uh, it feels very modern. Uh, it feels like once Sleeping Beauty came out and sort of locked that in, in my opinion, I feel like the Disney style hasn't veered too far off from that. Uh, so when I look at Sleeping Beauty personally, I sort of see it as sort of the beginning of really that sort of modern look to characters in Disney movies that we see. Before I watched it again today, that's kind of what I was, where I was coming from and what, some of what I think it brings to the table. Sure. No, that's great. David, had you seen this movie before? I had not seen it. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm sure you're going to mention this, Mike. We can speak to it together. But our mom wouldn't let us watch this movie because the witch in the movie. Really? Same I don't reason remember with, specifically this one, but I'm sure that's true. She's scary. Well, it is definitely true. Because in this movie, she's like calling upon all the powers of darkness from hell and like yeah, right. <laughs> all this demonic stuff and... I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the reason why I haven't seen it because we didn't have it on VHS when we were kids and I wasn't allowed to watch it. So (laughs) sadly, I had not seen it and I really enjoyed it. So this is probably one of the movies where I had like the least amount of knowledge about it besides some of the more obscure ones that we've seen. Yeah. But I hadn't seen any of the remakes or the live action versions and pretty much the only things I knew about it were from the parks, from Fantasmic mm-hmm. at Hollywood Studios and things like that. The dragon, basically. Yeah. So that's about it. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't think it gets a fair critique. I think I've, I've heard people refer to this movie as like, oh, you know, the one where the girl is asleep for half the movie. <laughs> a, that's not true. B, like, I think that we forget that it's sort of not really a story about Sleeping Beauty, but it's, you know, it's really about the good fairies who mm-hmm. respond to the wicked fairy, Maleficent. Uh, and it's, it's really, I mean, the heroes and villains are women. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Philip gets the final battle and maybe that's what's memorable, but, uh, but he does, doesn't do it without the help of the fairies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like dude, he, he'd been toast. So, but yeah. I, I think that gets overlooked. I think people are too harsh on this movie. Modern people are too harsh on this movie. Because it's called Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, and as David and I have discussed in the past, uh, we just didn't have a lot of the movies in our house that had like that were the girly movies. Yeah. <laughs> this really isn't that much of a girly movie as we talked. I mean, there's it's, dragons, it's really not, yeah. dragons and fights and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, we didn't grow up with Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and uh, and Cinderella and those just because I don't know. My mom was like, "Well, I'm gonna buy him Peter Pan and Robin Hood." You know, <laughs> probably had more to do with it than anything. But yeah, I don't think I had seen this either until I actually watched it a few months ago. With my wife, we're like, let's watch a movie. Let's find something short. How about Sleeping Beauty? Great. Because I've I listened to a lot of Disney podcasts. There was one that I listened to not too long ago where people there people on it were just raving about the beautiful artwork of Sleeping Beauty. And like, I think there was an exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum recently that one of the hosts had been at, and they were about the art of Sleeping Beauty, and they were talking about it. I'm like, all right, I guess I should probably watch this thing. And yeah, I mean the 
that stuff's amazing, which we'll get to. But, but yeah, other, other than that, other than that time I watched it a few months ago, I don't think I'd seen it before other than stuff in the parks that references it and the big dragon in the, in the parade that, did you see, I see the video of the dragon in the parade that caught on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this massive like steampunk version of the Maleficent dragon. That's in one of the parades at Disney world that like breathes fire and it malfunctioned and the whole thing like caught on fire. It's pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can find it. Just search, go on YouTube and search Disney dragon on fire. You'll find it. It's pretty great. Dang, so. Okay. All right, Sleeping Beauty, Wes, you watch it again today. What new did you see? Some of the some of the new things I, I knew it was a stylized movie, um, which is why I always liked it. What I didn't realize is exactly how stylized it is. I mean, if you watch it again, first of all, the range of colors that they put onto a single background into a single frame is incredible. I was looking at a background, and then I, I'm fairly confident they had every color in the rainbow <laughs> in that background: orange, green, um, blue, violet. It was it was incredible. I think um, the stylist, the color stylist who worked on that movie, is named Ivan Earl. Really great, um, really really great stuff. He he really I think was responsible for a lot of the look of that film. Um, and then you know if you if you look in the backgrounds too and you see some of the forest scenes as you know characters are walking by, you might notice that the crowns, some of the crowns of the trees, are squares. <laughs> Or rectangles, yeah, uh, which is highly, highly stylized. That is, uh, that's a very bold thing to do, I think, um, particularly in a movie that you don't want to, well, that you want people to take seriously. My opinion is that uh, this is the most stylized movie Disney had done to date, uh, and I don't think they did another one to match it until, I mean, maybe Hercules in '97. Yeah, those two, I think, stuck stick out as probably the most stylized Disney films to date yeah and i don't know if you watched the version that i sent you us but it was like in full hd and like every you could pause any frame of this movie and i would could like print it and put it on the wall like yeah yeah incredible yeah yeah and if you look up you know artwork from that movie you know on google or something i mean it's it's just gorgeous it's it's so good and this movie was so bold and incredible that it's it's sort of sad that it didn't make its money back yeah in the box office Mike, I'm clicking randomly like through the timeline of the movie right now. Yeah. You're right. There's, like every <laughs> single shot I click on is like beautiful, detailed artwork. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you watch this thing. I mean, like the backgrounds are just. I don't know. It's it's very very impressive. So especially in the forest, I yeah. Think especially that's the forest. where it really stands out. Yeah, and what's interesting too is that you do have these really detailed backgrounds in this movie because that was something they shied away from in Bambi. Uh, they were afraid that all the forest critters were going to get lost in the backgrounds if they had too many details. So they went really impressionistic. But uh, so it's really interesting to see that for Sleeping Beauty they went incredibly detailed in every background. I was reading about that Ivan Earl guy, and we were, I was talking earlier about how there was sort of a director shuffle and that Clyde Deronomy came in, and there's a great quote. Yeah, well, it says, when Deronomy took over, he and Earl did not get along because <laughs> he felt that Earl's paintings were, quote, 
they lacked the mood in a lot of things. All that beautiful detail in the trees, the bark, and all that, that's all well and good, but who the hell's going to look at that? <laughs> <laughs> the backgrounds became more important than the animation. He made them more like Christmas cards. And I'm like, heck yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's totally, that's a, that's a fair response, I think, because yeah. uh, if you read um, probably the, the premier background artist, TV and animation was uh, Maurice Noble, and he does talk about how backgrounds need to support the characters and not sure. overwhelm them. Sure. But the characters are so simplistically drawn that it just the the whole film is like this tapestry of of art, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the character models definitely stand out a lot in this movie, probably more than others, just because like that detail of the background and the simplicity of their models as i'm looking at it i didn't really notice watching it but if you pause like it's kind of crazy how simple the characters are compared to the backgrounds well and they use some pretty bold colors to separate them as well with the fairies and uh like the the kings who are bickering with each other i mean you get a lot of bright bright colors in their clothing that separate them from from those super detailed backgrounds So, David, let's backtrack a little bit. You've now seen this movie for the first time. What was your initial reaction? My initial reaction, I just watched it. I finished it like an hour ago, maybe. (laughs) Um, Hour and a half. So, fresh in my mind. First reaction is it was way better than I expected. Um, I, I mean, for all the reasons we've mentioned as far as animation, it looks incredible. As we also mentioned, I was kind of surprised that Sleeping Beauty wasn't really the protagonist. It was more the the fairies, you know, that were the fo- focus of the movie and that were carrying the story along. I was also surprised at the evilness of the witch, which I liked <laughs> overall. But as a kid, definitely could have been a, a little scary. But yeah, overall, really, really good and positive reaction. It's definitely one of the top couple for me from the... 16 that we've been through so far (laughs) yeah it's interesting you mentioned sleeping beauty isn't really the main character this it's kind of the same with cinderella these two stories based off you know from the same guy the same source uh author i mean sleeping beauty that or sorry cinderella that movie is like about the mice and the cat (laughs) like a large majority of it it's kind of similar like the goofy side characters are actually more the main characters than anything huh yeah, I really, I, I like it a lot. I, I have a few kind of story gripes that we can get into. <laughs> but as we just mentioned, the, the, I mean, every frame is a painting. It's like a work of art in yeah. this movie. So like, just, just that, simply that makes it like pretty high up there um, in my mind as far as just classic Disney movie. So we can, we can jump into some of the plot points if we want or whatever we want to get into. My, my, my initial thing was just like, where the heck did Maleficent come from? And like, what's her deal? <laughs> like, no, no, no movie today like would be that shallow with their characters. Why, it's Maleficent. What does she want here? But at the same time, I guess if you look at like Star Wars, you know, Darth Vader, when that movie came out, no one knew who he was, but people still loved him as a character. So yeah, I guess we're just spoiled these days with movies that are or, or actually even just like tv series where you learn like every intricate detail about the characters yeah <laughs> and i suppose that's what the maleficent movie is probably about that i haven't seen with angelina jolie but that was the first thing i'm like this is where she come from and where'd she go and like why does she have power over these people 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, you make a good point with the Maleficent movie because I think we develop that appetite and we're like, yeah, what the heck? But I think when you're dealing with characters who are so elemental, like the fairies and Maleficent, I don't think uh, the original audience cared because of because she was almost a representation of evil. That you, it's sort of because it's sort of fairy tale. You just sort of accept that there's an evil fairy and there's good fairies and <laughs> and then there's us. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let it be. Before the sun sets on her sixteenth birthday, she shall prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. Oh no. My other <laughs> gripe was. Like, there's no real rules in this world. <laughs> the fairies seem to be able to do whatever the heck they want. <laughs> like, just conjuring, like, cups of tea out of midair. Yeah. But then they go to the prince, and they're like, we can't help you, but we can give you yeah. a sword. Yeah. And we can give you the shield. But then they decide to help them anyway. I was thinking of, like, the eagles in Lord of the Rings, you know? It's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Sort of ex machina. Yeah, style. it's sort of like, you know... <laughs> Why did the eagles wait to come to the very end? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because they only they live by their own rules. You know, whatever the argument is. Yeah, they did say we can't help you. Gave him the weapons and then basically <laughs> escorted him out, deflecting the enemy projectiles with their magic as he left. So they did help him, and they were able to turn that crow or raven into a, into stone. Yeah, Why I thought about they, that too. Like, yeah. turn Maleficent <laughs> into stone. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. the only rules they mentioned were they can only do what is good for for a good purpose, and they don't have as much power as the witch. That's so, uh, whatever that means. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. And they are sort of meddling the whole movie, and then suddenly they're like, "We can't help you." Right. And for how for how cautious they were being for sixteen years of protecting Sleeping Beauty or whatever they called her. When she was Rose hidden in the woods, <laughs> Rose. Don't get me started on Rose. This reminds me of uh, Last Jedi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's her What's her line at the end when she saves <laughs> Finn? One sec. <laughs> it's not about saving those who we hate. Okay, uh, we're going to win this war not by fighting what we hate. But saving what we love. That's such bull. (laughs) (laughs) Finn could have sacrificed himself into the laser cannon and saved them better than Rose, you know, (laughs) knocking him out of the way. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, what I was saying is the fairies, for how cautious they were for 16 years, really pulled off a real stupid move by by fighting each other over a stupid dress and flinging their dust up into the chimney and like completely selling out the location of, uh, of sleeping beauty. So it kind of made me mad too, <laughs> but I guess you need that plot device. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're flawed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. Um, it's weird. Aurora is 16. Like I wish for a while, I think, was like the magic Disney number. Like, if you're a princess, you need to be 16. Like, the Little Mermaid 16. I think Jasmine 16. Maybe she's not. But uh, it's like, what is this? What is this 16? It's a, that's a weird age to, like, come of age. Like, oh, I'm 16 now. Let's go get married. It's weird. Yeah. The prince was, like, a young boy when she was born. Probably, like, maybe eight. Yeah, that six was weird. Eight. So, that means he's... <laughs> over he's in his mid-20s yeah that was real kind of a weird opening scene where they're like here little boy who can walk and talk 
Here's this, your future wife. Here is the here is the person. Here's the the girl you're gonna have babies with at some point. Yeah, but his response is so perfect. He just kind of looks at her like like a boy would. Like what yes. the, this yeah. baby? That is yeah. true. Well, and you know, um, in some of the earlier designs of Rose, she actually does look younger in some of their earlier stuff, and I guess they just aged her up art wise. I think Snow White was supposed to be like 14 or something like that. That's weird. Yeah. She her sounds voice, like it. Her, yeah, her <laughs> voice sounds like she's about like a four-year-old. So. <laughs> I was reading some other facts about this movie, and apparently, well, this is the first prince that actually has a name. Um, we, get, we, get, we get Prince Charming in Cinderella and in Snow White, it's just the prince, I think. And you get, he's in the movie for like two minutes. Prince Philip was named after Prince Philip of the United Edinburgh. Kingdom, who is still alive. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. The Duke of Edinburgh. You got it. I mean, that's, huh. that's like, that's like Disney having a, a prince in their next movie, whatever that's going to be and naming him like Prince Harry William or, or Prince Harry. Yeah. yeah right. It's uh, the same. That's so funny. That's interesting. Or that's like, uh, I was going to, I was going to say some British company naming a character, Donald Trump, but I don't know if that's <laughs> never going to happen. So. Yeah. Or Baron. Isn't, isn't Baron his, his son's name? Prince, Prince Baron of the United States, right? Uh, <laughs> Charles. No, you're talking about Trump. Yeah. yeah Philip. Yeah. He's 97 now. Wow. Oh, wow. Still kicking. Well, I do think Philip is like one of the cooler Disney princes, princes ever. Like, you know, you hear people complain like, oh, these Disney princesses, they don't do anything except, you know, get married at the end. It's like, well, the princes don't do anything either except show up and kiss the girl. <laughs> except for this movie. He, he's yeah. cool. He does stuff. <laughs> yeah, he does. He did kind of... Did you notice how frantically he swung his sword around? I did, yeah. At the dragon. It was like <laughs> how you use play thing, sword you? fighting. Like as a little kid, you just like swing it as fast as you can. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, well, yeah. they used live action references for this movie, um, which they have in the past, where they bring actors into a studio and film them and then sort of replicate that. And I'm sure yeah. they're just this actor has never sword fought before. They're like, all right, dude, swing your sword around. And that's what at he a, did. At a massive dragon yeah. imagine yeah and then they just traced over it and that was the movie so there were a few things in this movie that kind of reminded me of some other disney movies and other movies in general there was a there's a moment with the fairies when they decide to bring their magic wands back out to to make a cake and make a dress that they caused the broom, mop and broom and uh, bucket to come to life. <laughs> and that was just completely a complete reference to Fantasia. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's true. A number of the voices sound really, sounded really familiar in some of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure the voice of Meriwether is also in Robin Hood. Come on, bucket, mop, broom. Flora says clean up the room. I could probably click through for a second to figure that out for sure, but mm-hmm. her voice sounded very familiar. She, she was also, familiar, yeah. I would. Ex- I kind of think she's a voice of like one of the Winnie the Pooh characters too. Let's see if I can find this. Yeah, Mary Weather's voice by Barbara Luddy, who yeah, Robin yeah, Robin Hood. She was hmm. the church mouse. Okay, that sounds about right. Oh, the little okay. yeah, the little church mouse who's playing <laughs> yeah, the yeah. organ or like her husband's playing the organ. Yeah, yeah. they got that giant coin. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then she's also the voice of Kanga, yeah, from uh, from Winnie the Pooh. So, Oh, wow. I thought, thought that sounded familiar. <laughs> wow, good ear. And yeah. 
Rover in 101 Dalmatians, which I'm not sure who that is. Mm, me neither. And then another thing that reminded me of a completely non-Disney movie was Maleficent, like, puts everyone to sleep at some point. Like, everyone in the kingdom falls asleep. And that was, like, exactly like a scene in Goldfinger. Oh, really? <laughs> when uh, <laughs> when Pussy Galore and her flying circus <laughs> fly over Fort Knox. <laughs> they fly over Fort Knox with the gas. <laughs> and like it knocks everyone out and they all fall over and fall asleep like exactly in their place it was exactly the same so check out check out the end of goldfinger yeah <laughs> but in goldfinger it all turns out to be an act because they swapped out the gas containers and everyone pretended to be asleep so that goldfinger would go and attack Fort Knox, but then they could stop him so a little different uh. a little different i thought um the 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 shorter king um with the white hair king hubert Mm-hmm. Uh, he sounded familiar. I'm not sure why. I wonder if he's a... I want to say he's an Alice in Wonderland, but I don't know if that's true. I bet we can figure this out. What was his name? King Hubert. King Hubert. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Thompson, apparently. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland. Okay, okay. He's, the, he's the white rabbit and the dodo bird. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, and he's also a Smee, apparently, in... Uh, Peter Pan. Interesting. Okay, I'll yeah. need to watch that back with that in yeah. mind. Surprised <laughs> I didn't recognize that. Huh. Well, what do you think? Nothing elaborate, of course. Forty bedrooms, dining hall, honeymoon cottage, really. I feel like that's one of my hidden talents is, is recognizing voice people. <laughs> Whenever yeah. a commercial comes on TV, <laughs> like, and it's a celebrity, I can tell you it is immediately. And I always like quiz my wife, and she's not a, she she's pretty good at it, but it sometimes takes her. A <laughs> I did want to bring up two things from the very beginning of the movie. So the the live action storybook, which they actually painted, it's a real book. The initial shot was kind of like a. Looked like it was on a track of some sort as the camera moved into the book. I noticed the shot was like shaking a tiny bit the whole yeah. time. I don't know if you noticed that. Hmm. It's kind of weird that they didn't get that perfectly smooth. Well, I, I wonder if they used like stop motion animation for that or something. To move the camera? That's kind I of mean, what it looked like. When the book opens, it's definitely stop motion. The tracking shot up to the book looked a little bit weird. I don't know. Yeah, but if they were going frame by frame and moving it, that could have maybe caused that. That jitter, I don't know. Wes, any yeah. insight? No, I was wondering about that shot myself. <laughs> yeah, and I love, as I've expressed many times, I love these classic narrators. Yeah. Uh, this is a different guy. <laughs> I didn't recognize this guy's voice. Yeah. There's there kind of been some go-to guys in these f- past movies, but his was this guy was great as well. I'll need to look up his name. Yeah. See, see where, what else he did with his life. <laughs> a daughter was born. They called her Aurora. Then right after the book opening, I was a little jarred by the like 2D style animation that they opened with, with all the people marching into the city. Hmm. It looks completely different from the rest of the movie. Just like the flat characters and then also like a flat background. It's like totally different style it's kind of weird and they don't have a hard transition into the normal animation style it's kind of like a as they zoom in in the throne room it just like turns into the normal animation it's kind of interesting yeah that parade might be a record for them of like number of characters in a shot though (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i was just enthralled by the uh the animation the movement they had man that looks good (laughs) 
any other things you guys want to bring up before we kind of wrap it up? I do want to say, um, I think one of the scary things about Maleficent, because she really is scary. I mean, one of my brothers actually had nightmares. <laughs> uh, so, David, you should probably thank your mom for not letting you watch yeah. it. But uh, <laughs> I think part of the reason she's so scary is that she's so subtle and understated in all of her actions and motions. Uh, she's really, really, just a really subtle character, which I think is the exact opposite of Cruella DeVille, mm. which I found out is their next movie. Um, yeah. And it's the same animator who got to do Cruella DeVille. And Cruella DeVille is not scary at all. I mean, she's just kind of like, oh, she's so evil and fine. But uh, but she's so overstated. And I think part of the reason, apart from Maleficent's hellfire and <laughs> uh, scary things that she says, is that she's just really, really subtly animated. And I think uh, it was Mark Davis, who um, one of the nine old men who supervised her. Uh, and that's... Uh, to keep her interesting, just as a as a as a you know someone who loves animation, uh, it's that's tough, <laughs> uh, but cool. And the lady who did the voice of Maleficent, Eleanor Oddly, Oddly, also did the voice of the evil stepmother in Cinderella. Oh, I thought she sounded familiar. <laughs> Which uh, I really I liked that character a lot in Cinderella. Oh yeah, because she was <laughs> like she was evil. But do you like think she would do something good, and then she just like go evil again? So, uh, like Cinderella, oh, you can go to the ball if you X, Y, and Z, and you're like, oh, well, she's actually being kind of nice. But then, no, I don't think so. So, same, same. Their person, faces man. are very similarly shaped as well. Hmm. The pointy chin, the long face. And if you uh, if you find Eleanor Audley's Wikipedia page, the picture of her is in some like rudimentary. Uh, Maleficent costume. It's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. And with that, we'll get to our final ratings and and, uh, wrap up thoughts. So Wes, on this show, it is the guest's job to create a specific rating system for the movie we're talking about. So it can be out of anything you want, how we're going to rate this movie, but make it related to Sleeping Beauty. Let's see. I think uh, if we if we rate it um, out of four fairies, right, because there's four fairies in the movie, one was bad. Okay. I'd say it gets, uh, well, heck, I'd say it gets four fairies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. All right. We got a four out of four fairies from Wes. David, what do you rate Sleeping Beauty out of four fairies, including an evil one? Hmm. Well, I won't give it a perfect score. I'm going to go into decimals. So out of four (laughs) fairies, this one was very, very good. Trying to stick with like consistent percentages compared (laughs) to the other movies. I think I'd give it a 3.5 out of four. So I'd be like an 87%. It was solid. Very little issues besides the couple story gripes that we had, but I really liked it. Cool. I'm... Not quite as enthusiastic about it as you guys. Obviously, I think the artwork and stuff is amazing. I'll still go like 3.2 out of 4. Still really good. Really good movie. And as we've established, incredible animation and design. So with that, uh, we come to the end of our Sleeping Beauty episode. Wes Morell, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. David. And David, as always, thanks so much for joining me on this journey. Thank you for having me. Thou sword of truth fly swift and sure that evil die and good endure.
Oh, and I and real quick, we I totally forgot to mention the Once Upon a Dream song, which is amazing. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have that playing right now as as we're uh, ending the show. So <laughs> yeah, um, the, mu- the music was great. I agree. Yeah, and for those of you listening, if you could give us a rating review on iTunes or or wherever else you listen, that'd be awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with 101 Dalmatians, as we just talked about before. Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Wes. Bye. See ya. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. A little bonus for you here. As we mentioned earlier, I did some voices for one of Wes's earlier cartoons, and uh, he found the files. So here it is. Listen at your own risk. Careless of you, Commander! I would have thought you would have cared more for your battalions. That's pretty sweet. That's sweet. The only thing I want you to redo is the careless of you, Commander. Yeah. Because here you're just like, you're like, careless of you. You're like, that was stupid. Also, careless of you, Commander? Uh-huh. No, it's just like just like careless, careless of you, Commander. Yeah. Careless of you, Commander. Careless of you, Commander. I would have thought you would have cared more for your battalions. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You got to do that. You know. Yeah. Wait. What? You the lightsaber fight. You know. Oh, do you want me to do that now, or do you want me to uh, say the line first? Uh, do that now. I'll say the line. All right. Cool. <laughs> or do you want me to do all the noises now? It doesn't really matter. It really. Well, let me get a stick and swing it around. I'll hit Daniel. <laughs> I love how you like turn him into like some kind of pissed off asthmatic. <laughs> <laughs>